Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with my co-host, Todd Atkins. What? And another co-host, look at us, all three on at the same time, <laughs> Dan I Hey, hey. So today, if you clicked to listen, you saw that it was number episode number 500. So to celebrate this monumental episode, we decided that Todd has never been asked the five leadership questions. He's um, always doing the asking. So we wanted to turn it around on him. So Todd, how are you feeling about this? Uh, I feel pretty good, except for the fact that I told my wife that we were doing this right before I left the house. And um, she said, you've already done that. I was like, when? She's like, I can't tell you the episode number, but it was with Eric. And he ended up asking you the five questions. So I don't know if it was official or he just asked some of the questions. But well, you just I don't remember this, doing man. it. <laughs> I don't remember you just doing it. So we just, we're just going to scrap it. Never mind. It was a great episode. No, no it's a... That is a perfect episode, actually, for 500, for those who've listened for a while, that this is par for the course for them. But you want to kick us off, Dan? No, I'm going to kick us off because I'm going to say this. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing, though. If Even if I did answer those questions before, some of the answers have probably shifted or changed. I mean, if you look at five leadership questions, off and on, you know, we've been around for, I think, seven years, maybe eight years. So it's been, it's a long, long standing podcast. So thank you if you're still listening after all this time. But I guarantee you, it will be very different. If we ever find that uh, episode, it would be very different than I think today. So it's it's certainly warranted. Yes. And, and uh, you know, going to our first question here, I hope that this is a different answer than what you told Eric years ago but who are you learning from currently okay so there's this is a um an interesting question because um i think how i learn has shifted over the years so in part that's in part because of um of guys like eric i think it's in part because of the speed of thought these days usually i would give you a bunch of books and so like today i would say I spend as much of my time rereading books as I do reading new books, probably more time rereading books than I do new books because you get to a point in your life and your experience in a subject matter where you go, oh, this is a new book on this topic, but it's obvious that these people have been reading, you know, Aubrey Malfers or Gene Getz or Carl George or whoever it is from ye olden times uh, and some of those books. Now, I would say those things are still worth reading because it's almost like an old wine, new wineskins kind of a thing where this is the same subject matter, but this is a different day and time. And this person may have drawn from that same source. It, it, it may be, you know, still that same area of expertise or whatever, but it's viewed in a different way or it's contextualized in a different way. And I think that's a, a, a worthy thing to do. It's just sometimes, you know, I would flip through, I would flip past that 
unwittingly at times, unless I really know the person. Then I'm like, oh, I want to hear more about what, you know, Lominick has to say on this. Knowing some of those authors actually helps, you know, helps you have interest in, in their work. But for the most part, I would say I have a lot of a lot of summaries of different things from like Harvard Business Review will do like 10 resources or 10 articles on strategy or strategic thinking or, you know, fill in the blank succession. And I find those things really, really valuable. Um, One, because in some cases, some of those articles will go back to the 80s and provide different context. But two, those things have already been sifted and consolidated into the best, you know, form of thought and encapsulating whatever that is. And then to have 10 different ones on that, like, I just love that. I would say blogs and now vlogs or video, uh, even more so. I have a tendency to, you know, listen uh, a lot when I'm in between things. And then lastly, I would say right now, probably what I'm interested in is AI. I've always been interested in, in AI. If you looked at the first ministry grid, it was actually more sophisticated than the current one. But you should look at the current one because it's simple and easy to use. Uh, and over 10,000 churches are on it. But that's beside the point. When it first came out, there was machine learning that was involved. And so what machine learning is, is over the course of time, the more people that use something, it gets to know you or it gets to know the users and it you know, would recommend you know, based on who you are. So that is a, a form of AI that we're all you know, kind of accustomed to or have become accustomed to over the years whether it's when you log into Netflix or, you know, some other uh, application, you're kind of used to that. What I'm talking about now is, um, goes beyond chat GPT. Like even if you did, if you Googled um, writing and AI, you would find all different kinds of platforms. So an introductory elementary, um, uh, I guess, tool that we're probably all familiar with is Grammarly. So that is a form of AI. But then you can get into all kinds of different things, even beyond, you know, everybody I think that's listening probably is aware of, you know, chat GPT, but then there's Notion and Write Sonic and Quill. And some of those will have different nuances for what you want to do. Like each one of them is kind of a niche within a niche. When we think of AI, we tend to think of it in broad terms, but it's like, oh no, here's the best one for, um, proofreading or here's the best one for style or like quill takes um, your content and and rephrases it so we're at a, a really interesting crossroads in time especially with pastors where you know I don't want to give anybody any ideas but you could very easily you know drop in a Charles Spurgeon sermon or a Warren Wearsby sermon um, I think would probably be more appropriate for the day a Warren Wearsby sermon and, you know, have it rephrased. And, and, so, and so you're just telling everybody to go write their sermons on AI is what I'm hearing no. you say, Todd. No, not at all. <laughs> um, because it's not, it's, it's definitely not proven and you can already see massive mistakes. And before pastors think they're obsolete, you know, there is, there is a lot lacking uh, right now in, in AI, but it is very helpful 
to do some different lifting for you, um, especially when it comes to creating things like emails and other things that you, you, you may find helpful to rephrase from time to time. It goes so, a step beyond a template. So Todd, you know, we're, we're on this 500th episode. Looking back at the past 499 episodes, is there anybody that has surprised you with their answer or anything that's kind of stuck out when somebody, when we've asked that first question of who you're learning from? Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but probably the most personally impacting answer to this question and impacting answer I've ever had out of 500 episodes was with Simon Sinek. Because when I asked him who he was learning from, he said gaming theory. And this is years ago. This is probably five or six, well, four or five years ago. Um, and I said, you know, do tell. And he offered a couple books, but the way he broke it down was, you know, we're now in an age, he said up to like 10 years ago, there were only finite games. There were games you played to win or lose. Now we're in an era of infinite games. You don't necessarily play to win. You play to get better and better and better each day. And then he equated that to business. And he said, hey, you know, when I met with Compaq, I think it was, uh, he met with somebody who had made like the iPod killer. And it was like Zune or something that you probably aren't familiar with. You might be. I, if you're old I had one. I had one. There you go. I, lo I lost it in Washington, D.C. somewhere, but I had one. <laughs> well, OK, so he says, you know, here's the interesting thing. You, you go and you talk to these people and they're like a kind of a waterfall methodology and mindset. Ah, we have made the iPod killer and here it is. It's better. And here's all the reasons it's better. And, you know, we took these problems, we fixed them, whatever. And then, you know, meanwhile, Apple is not playing to win or lose. They're playing to get better and better and better. And so, you know, you've got two or three adaptations in and then you're like, uh oh, here's the iPhone that nobody saw coming. Or he gave the example of Amazon and Walmart and said, you know, Walmart was playing a finite game. Amazon was playing an infinite game. Think about how many year quarters and years that they lost money over the course of time until it flipped and they just had market share of everything. And, you know, now we regularly order something and it's on our doorstep the same day. Meanwhile, that spilled over into things like Walmart coming roaring back and Walmart didn't stay down for long. And now I can order groceries and a new DVD player and they get to my you know house the same day. It's a it's a it's a crazy thing. But he would go back and say, hey, are you playing a finite game or an infinite game? So where that like was so impactful for me personally, and I think should be impactful for us as Christians, is if we understand this right, we are eternal beings. We're spending a very short time on this earth. Growing up as a fine Southern Baptist, uh, of course I was uh, you know, very guilt-driven and in some senses felt like every day until, until even having that conversation on the podcast, feel like every day is a win or lose. Did I win today or lose today? And let's be honest, we're all human. So many times you're like, oh, I lost today. Like, you know, this, this goes in the L column. 
instead of looking at our lives and saying, are we getting better and better day by day as a Christian? That is what I am called to do. I'm not called to win. I can't win. It, 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 compared to Christ, yes, I am a loser, but I'm not playing that game. I'm an eternal being. I'm playing an infinite game. And if anybody should understand that, it should be Christians, that we should look at each day getting better and better. Am I better this year than I was last year in all elements of my life? I'm a better leader. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better uh, husband. Am I a better dad? Am I a better fill in the blank friend? And, and that's the way we should look at it, not, you know, judging ourselves, comparing ourselves to others or comparing ourselves to some ideal, but comparing ourselves to who we were this time last year. You may have just given somebody, you know, just a, a great sermon. <laughs> Somebody's listening is like, well, I might just uh, pick up off that for this weekend. So who needs really, chat really good. GBT? It's just Todd. Just listen to, <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You'll definitely want to rephrase whatever I say. <laughs> Subscribe soon to Todd GPT. <laughs> There'll be lots of sentence fragments and rants. Oh, man. Well, let's let's go to number two. What is the main point of emphasis for your leadership team or just even yourself right now? So what's really interesting for me and people that, again, listen to the podcast or, or watch, you know, 90 second videos or have been around a while for uh, pipeline and different things, they would have seen in the last couple years, our team, myself and our team have made um, a shift in what we're doing and, and what we spend our time on. So you don't see as much content from me as you used to. I'm trying to change that, by the way. So we built this thing called Ministry Grid, which you're probably aware of. And it has grown uh, quite tremendously, especially since COVID, because we had uh, a, a tool that was ready for um, video and customization and groups management and all the things you would ever want to deliver a piece of curriculum and distribute it in your church and change the places that you wanted or do training or, or whatever. It's, this, it's, it's an agnostic tool that has many features that people found um, and did creative things with during COVID. And so with that, um, Lifeway itself um, found itself with the inability to... Um, print things, ship things, even get paper in stock. So there was a major shift toward digital. And so our team over the last couple of years um, has begun to lead that uh, up that effort. And even more recently looking at, okay, how do we consolidate some of our existing platforms at Lifeway into something that is a more unified experience for everybody? You know, that's not, we're, we're making a better ministry grid. It's no, we have this thing called On Demand, and we have online Bible study, and we have uh, grid for training and grid for uh, curriculum. And, you know, how do we pull these things together so that a church can effectively use it to grow their people? It still, it still comes down to the fact that as pastors, even as Christians, our fruit does grow on other people's trees. And that's not us taking credit for what other people do. It is to say the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. The fruit of a volunteer is another volunteer. The fruit of a leader is another leader. And all we're trying to do is make a, a framework and an easy pathway 
um, for people to get on and, and have a tool to know, okay, this is where I am. Where's my next step? Where's my logical next step? And how can I make it easy, obvious, and strategic for me to go from here to here, but more importantly, me to take a volunteer or leader from here to their next step in their walk with Christ so that we do effectively move people from, you know, a vessel to be filled point of view to a torches to be lit point of view from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 to Ephesians 2, 10. I can throw out a bajillion one-liners if we want, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And that's what we're called to do as leaders. So Todd, this one may be a little bit more difficult because you're, you're, you know, double clicking into what somebody said their emphasis was at a specific time. But was there, you know, over the past 500 episodes, was there ever somebody's answer to this question that stuck out to you that was memorable that kind of stuck with you? I think it would be different pastors that were in transition. And so, you know, when I think about people that you would know that are in the leadership space, whether it be a John Maxwell, a John Piper, or Carrie Newoff. Um, Carrie's been on numerous times. Craig Rochelle's been on numerous times. And to watch those leaders think about their next step and next transition in life is major. A lot of them were going through that um, when they were on the podcast. So, like, um, People may not realize this, but oh, man, it was five or six, five years ago, probably um, when we did pipeline, um, it was creating succession at every level. And both Carrie Newoff and John Piper were on the same stage, which is probably not done very often. Oh, and there was a DJ, uh, but well, that's beside <laughs> the point. That's how we roll. Um, but the, the cool thing was, you know, even Barnabas, Piper's son is, is, is there going, I've never heard some of this. Like I, mm-hmm. I've never heard some of this. And it was John Piper talking about the practical implications of transitioning out from his role as senior pastor and handing that over and what that looked like and how the preparation was done and, you know, all those things. And even um, almost talking into the future of where he's going, Carrie, very similar Thing, you know, and, and, and Carrie has obviously had tremendous success in a church in a not easy place to minister in, in Canada to grow that to that large and then make a successful transition to work not just in a church, but uh, help other people see how to effectively and practically take some some truths and put them into place in ministry, very practical things. And, and you might say, well, Todd, you know, some of these things aren't biblical truths. And I would say, no, but all truth is God's truth. And there's a lot to be learned about how to handle conflict or, you know, about how to organize your schedule and, and stay on time and, you know, not burn out. Um, there's so many things that, that Carrie's done as well that, you know, I just look to and see, man, the impact that he has had in embracing that transition has been beautiful. So it would, it, so it sounds weird because it sounds like I'm talking to all about succession and transition, but that was the main point of emphasis for those people around the times that they were on the podcast. And if you go back, Craig Groeschel has been on the podcast probably like five or six times. 
And if you went back and listened to all those episodes, you could, you would naturally see that. That's good. As long as you're not trying to tell us you're transitioning somewhere. Uh, that's, that's all. It's good to hear, Todd. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on to question three, though, what what are two to three things that you have to do on a daily basis? And, you know, what? how does that impact your life and your leadership? And kind of tagged on to that. Is there anything that somebody had said in the po- previous podcast that you've incorporated in your life as a result of it? Trains of cold brew, energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer it. <laughs> Um, an espresso machine is very important to me. No, um, you're not going to hear, I go to the gym every morning and that's the way I start my day and, and all of that. I do get some physical exercise chasing children and I bought land during COVID, which means now I have to take care of the land and underestimated how much that that would take. Um, we have animals, you know, all the things. So, I mean, you know. I'm making excuses for now for why I don't exercise, and that's not one of my answers. But that wasn't the question. Uh, the question was stuff you have to do daily. Okay, so I think I have to learn daily. The biggest part for me is understanding that if I am not learning daily, I am not leading daily. Like I, I think if you're a leader in this day and age especially, and you're, you're not learning, then you've got a really short shelf life. There's only so much you can do. At the same time, it's to say, okay, well, what does that look like for me? That is, um, I'm on Twitter quite a bit, which sounds really weird, but there's where you're separating the wheat from the chaff when you're there. But usually you're running down a rabbit, this, this rabbit trail, that rabbit trail, and you find something that's really, really interesting that you didn't know. And, and so you start to read articles by this person or, you know, you find a podcast or, or, or whatever. Like I have to constantly be learning. I also have to constantly be, be applying that learning. I am my best when I'm helping someone else solve a problem. There uh, was a person who left our team tragically not too long ago to go work at NAM and uh, Kaylee Black. And, and she, the greatest thing that she would do is if we, like if, if I had a, a church that was coming in and we were, you know, doing a two day thing and we we're walking through some kind of framework or whatever, she would be able to pull out things that I would say, I didn't like, if you just asked me a question, I might not do that the way I would in helping someone solve a problem or applying some learning. Uh, And so that's why I say it's really important to uh, apply the learning. I'm not going to be good at my job if I'm not talking to pastors almost every day, at least a couple times a week, trying to help them figure out something. And so I would say, those are are two or three things that I personally do. I know that that's probably not terribly helpful for others, but for me, that's that's it. The other thing, I, the last thing I do have one more, and that is, um, you know, I think it's super important to be in a couple of different types of relationships with other people. So, like right now, you know, we we would say, hey, everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Timothy. I don't have, I don't have a Paul at the moment. Uh, and so I think that is a great detriment to me. Typically in the past, I've had those people, 
but I don't right now. Um, I have it for probably two years, but that's not an excuse not to have a Timothy or Timothy's. Um, and for me, those are in different elements of my life. So there's like, you know, people that I might pour into or intentionally think about them and who they are and where they're going in a work setting. And then there's people in my private life. The other thing I think is important is when you're teaching, you're accountable. So like right now, I meet a guy and we're walking through um, Ephesians. So I've been in Ephesians 1 for a week and a half. And so I'm like, okay, you want to learn the Bible? Then here's how, there, there's no way better to read this, you know, consistently until we meet again. So first day, I want you to do this. Second day, I want you to, uh, this sounds horrible, but you know, go on YouTube, find Bible project and watch the video on Ephesians. Then read chapter one. Then I want you to read Ephesians. And then I want you to, and he's got a, um, Oh, it's a green Bible or gray and green. I'm told. Disciples Bible? The Disciples Bible, the Scalities, but yep. so he's got that one. And I'm like, okay, now you're going to read everything in the bottom. Uh, and then the next day, I want you to, the next couple of days, I want you to look up all the scripture references because now you're going to see where these things are in the rest of the Bible, you know? And so that sounds like so elementary, but if you think you're above that, if you think that's not going to help you personally as well, even though you know all those things or you did those things 20 years ago or whatever, I think it's super important to do those things because anytime you're in that role of like a, a teacher, you're really still learning in front of somebody or you're, you're walking along. And like, I didn't, I didn't meet with this, this guy to say, Hey, I'm doing this for you. It is a, Hey, Here's, here's the things that I need. Here's the things I want you to pray for, for me. Here's where, you know, I'm struggling and you know, it, it's, it's still a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And it's something every leader has to do in order to stay clean. I would also one more thing. Sorry. I've said one more thing twice. Um, <laughs> and that is daily confession. That's daily confession and, and, uh, and, and repentance again, you're not ever going to graduate, you know, completely. And sometimes it's going to be, you, you may get to a point where you have a lot more sense of omission than commission, but still, you know, you're going to have those things. And I think if I look back and Eric and I talked about this on the podcast once, if, if you're not doing this daily, then your heart can quickly become callous and you can be one of those guys that gets shot out of the saddle. Yeah. That's, I think the difference like a contrite heart that continues to offer repentance hmm. daily because there's something you did that either you committed or you didn't do or you didn't do as good as you knew you could do and in that case you know like right now i almost have written it up on my wall you know who's your king because it's it's not necessarily what i do it's sometimes what i don't do or what gets my best and what doesn't get my best that I need to work on. 
But I, lo- I loved the learning something, but not also just learning it, applying it. Um, like, I think sometimes we get wrapped up too of like, I've got to learn this massive thing. I got to read a whole book. And I love that you were just like, I go on Twitter and I learn something new that I didn't know. And I think, I think that's a great um, example for a lot of us. It's, it's also important to learn from people that aren't like you and to, to relearn. Like when I talked to earlier about who you're learning from, like, I don't know, probably two or three times over the last two or three years, I've looked at Alan Hirsch's Forgotten Ways. Do I agree with Alan Hirsch on everything? Nope, not at all. But I do think that was a book that was written a while back that is certainly worth looking at again in the current context and light that we're in and within this culture and to say, okay, what can I glean from this? Again, I may not agree on everything, but what can I glean from this and put into place in my life or ministry? Let's move to number four. You mentioned, um, you know, moving with some land. So not only leadership, what does leadership in your home look like, but you also have dogs and kittens now. So what is, what does leadership over there look like now? (laughs) A hot mess most days. Um, You know, that's true. I mean, what's really interesting to me is again, if I look back over the last 500 episodes, you can usually tell when someone is giving you uh, a Sunday school answer or a polished answer on this one and somebody who's not. And so I can remember like, uh, I want to say it was Greg, Greg Surratt who answered this basically like, Hey, I don't do like a family devotional or I don't do, you know, a systematic thing. I just kind of take it as it goes and in stride. Um, and he gave some examples and I was like, man, that's really good. So when I think about, you know, when I think about that, I, that's what I honestly try to do is to say, okay, I think I'm a much better leader when it comes to my kids and doing some things that are um, systematic where, you know, up until more recently with the older ones, they're 14, 12 and 10 like every single night for like the first decade of their existence, it was they're they're we're reading a devotional together. Um, they're staying up later now. And so that's hard to do. And we've done it at the dinner table some, but I would say if there's anything that I'm really, I, I need to reinstall, it, it, it might be that. Um, but having those regular cadences, I think is really important. And then trying to take advantage of situations. So, I talk about the importance of shifting from intuitive to intentional a lot in leadership. I mean, you know, a lot of people are in place in leadership because you were intuitively good with people. And the way to get to the next gear in leadership is to be intentional with those people. It's like to say, okay, I can't just get by on who I am and my personality and, and, and whatever. Um, now I need to be intentional about this. If we're intentional with anybody, it should be with our family. And so it's understanding each child and what they probably need and don't need. And then, man, it's really difficult to execute on that. It's really difficult to be intentional with that because sometimes you don't feel like it or your personality is different than that personality. And so it's easier to accept this or not accept that and, and be harder on that issue because it's not your issue or sometimes because it is your issue. So 
the other thing I would say, it's very difficult when um, you have a wife that's smarter than you and is more godly than you and, and spends time in the Bible more than you. It's really, I mean, we, we met in seminary and she made better grades than I did. So I knew what I was getting into, but, but I'm very, I'm very blessed to be, um, to be married to somebody who is an incredible partner. And here's another thing I will say, like a lot of people will meet my children and probably judge me better than they should based on <laughs> my kids. You guys know my kids somewhat. My oldest is like a legend because uh, Eric would mention him on the podcast all the time. Like he's just wicked smart and, you know, came out of the womb a 60 year old. Um, <laughs> I was I was working with you, I think, when when James was born, which is crazy, which actually yes. leads us, which leads us to question five is, is what would you normally it's what would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to leave lead? But I'm going to actually change this and say 20 years ago, because I feel like uh, 20 years ago, you were working as executive director of the young adult ministry frontline at McLean Bible Church, where you and I worked together, right. um, you know, be, and then you've jumped over and worked that Lifeway um, doing leadership stuff since then. As you were an you know, executive pastor at McLean, what would you go and tell yourself as you were prepared to go and change into this leadership role here at Lifeway? Is there anything that you would want to go back and tell yourself? Man, it's going to be a lot harder than you think. <laughs> Just keep going. I mean, and, and I think that's like for almost any of us in any stage of ministry, it's like, man, it's going to be a lot harder than you think it is. There's going to be plenty of blessings along the way. Leading tiers of people is harder than leading a team of people in an entrepreneurial way. Like I'm a completely different person now than I was then. I think maybe you don't think, and, and you might, you might shed some light on that Dan, but <laughs> I went from being able to know, um, have a pretty decent knowledge of nine campuses budgets and what they had allocated for what um, and could have entertain a conversation on that. And nobody that works with me now would ever think that was possible. <laughs> They'd be like, really? <laughs> really? So he didn't have ADD then. But when you no shift comment. into an entrepreneurial <laughs> setting, it, it forces some things out of you or perhaps you were manufacturing some things before and you're a different person. But I don't know. Was there, you know, this, this question has been asked for, since the very beginning and there's been some, some really great answers on this. Was there maybe a, a most, the favorite one that you've heard or most memorable that stuck with you answer to this question on 20 year old self, 20 year old self. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I think for each person, it's a very, it's a very personal answer at the same time. You're like, Oh, I expect a lot of people to say some similar things. Um, but what's really interesting about that question over the course of time and over the course of many, many episodes is how unique the answers are. And so I feel like it's probably the most telling question that we have beyond even, you know, beyond leading in your home or what your emphasis is or, you know, any, any of the other things. Um, this one really tells you about the person as long as they're answering it, you know, truthfully. 
and and honestly with candor it really tells you a lot and it helps them i think process it's almost cathartic for some people so i don't have a favorite one on this one how about you chandler do you, feel- do you have a favorite one i mean uh so if you don't know this Chandler and I go way back now because not as far as back as me and Dan go, but um, (laughs) Chandler came through the Lifeway internship program, then was a student pastor for a while and then came back into uh, Lifeway leadership. And in between those times, um, I asked him to write, to contract and write the 20 best answers to the 20 uh, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Was there anyone that stuck out to you? So, you know, this, I think pretty well too. Chandler might've been yeah, 20 I mean, when he did this. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. You know, I think, I mean, it was, I, I remember we were actually talking with Barnabas on one of, this may have been on unseen leadership. We were talking about this, but when his dad on, I think it was the first episode of five leadership questions. He, when he was asked this question, he responded by saying, keep the room clean where you are. Yes. It's so easy as a 20 year old to look ahead and go, well, I want to be where Todd is. I want to be where whoever it is that you're looking up to. And he goes, you know, your role is to, to do the best that you can do wherever God has placed you and keep the room clean so that when others look um, at your ministry, at your business, or at your role, whatever it is, they go, man, he's doing a great job. She's doing a great job. And that just really stuck with me, especially when you're trying to form, you know, what's your work ethic going to be, how are others going to perceive you? So that was really helpful. Another one was Craig Rochelle. I think he said something along the lines. I mean, it's a lot of people have said this, but you can overestimate what can get done in one year and underestimate what can get done in five. Hmm. And I just think as a 20, 20 year old self, you have such a short window of what you like. You think you have to get everything done instantaneously and you realize leadership is a slow burn that so many of the results that you're wanting to see, you know, it takes time and it's not just a microwave result, but you have to sit in it. It's dealing with people, pushing things forward. So those are, those are probably the two and, and those were early on. I mean, there's so many since then, but those, those are two that stuck with me. I think one of the most unique things about um, five questions that has made it kind of stand the test of time is you kind of know what you all, you always know what you're going to get in the five questions, but you don't know the follow-up questions and you don't know how the leader is going to answer the question. And so there's like enough familiarity and enough mystery that I think keeps things interesting because man, you just never know what you're going to kind of reveal. And even, you know, even hearing that I can remember now, you know, I can remember that conversation and I can remember Barnabas saying, you know, this is something that I don't know. <laughs> this is my own dad. I haven't heard this before. Um, and so that was really cool. That's really cool. Do you feel like there's been a theme, though, within that question of of like there is going to be difficulty in your life? You know, when you're looking back at 20, oh, everyone sure. kind of thinks like, you know, we're, I'm just going to make it. Has that been a common theme that you've seen with people? Yeah, for sure. I, I think there's a, a couple of different ones, you know, that are there, but that's hands down the, the biggest one that, hey, it's going to be it's going to be OK, because they're thinking about some time 
that they've had between, you know, now and when they were 20 that are times that were really, really difficult, but they stayed the course and it made them who they are. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. And, and you know, what's really sad is if you went back and you looked at all 500 episodes, there are people that answered all five questions and some of them aren't around anymore. I mean, they're here, but they're not in ministry. And so I don't know. It's just a brutal, it's a beautiful, brutal fact of life. And so you wonder on some of those, you're like, ah, that, that, that I, I guess that makes sense because, you know, I, I didn't know that they, you could kind of feel like they were holding some back. And some you're like absolutely shocked because you're like, this person seems so genuine, so level headed, you know, all the things that you, you would want to see, but you don't know what happened in their life between, you know, mm -hmm. the time they recorded and now either. And maybe they were just fine then, but they made a few uh, decisions that led them down a path and they're no longer around. Mm -hmm. Very sober. Well, Todd, thanks for uh, walking through the five questions. Maybe for the first time, maybe the second. We don't exactly know. <laughs> but that's kind of fitting for this but podcast. But I guarantee you it was a different answer. <laughs> yes. Hey, thank you for listening. Uh, we do hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. And we hope uh, that all 500 episodes that we have uh, been able to share with you have done the same. And thanks for supporting, listening over the years. And uh, we look forward to continuing to deliver this podcast. Uh, hopefully for years to come. Thanks for listening.